Good evening. And I've counted a pleasure to have my sister Irma here tonight as my support system. She always has been, always will be. Be interesting to know what you think you're going to hear tonight. Probably varied subjects that you would say. Well, you can probably about imagine. Psalm 48, 14 is one of my favorite verses, which says, God is my God forever and ever. He will be my guide until death. God's faithfulness to me in my 77 years of living, I count it a real privilege to have claimed his continual guidance and direction and his love. And he's going to continue to do that for me until death. And I thank him for that. I feel blessed and honored by God to serve him. The actual title of my presentation tonight is Freedom in God as a Single Person. You expected that, didn't you? Early in my life, I felt God somewhat calling me to be single. I soon discovered that God was not withholding happiness from me because of that, but he was giving it to me. He was giving me happiness in an overflowing measure, and he continues to do that today. Actually, just recently, one of my great nephews said to me, Alta, didn't I hear you say one time that you thank God every day that you're single? I said, not quite every day. Not quite every day. <clears throat> Approximately uh, 32, I was 32 when I made the transition from thinking I was a youth to adulthood. I see Sonny and Rosanna back there. Yes, I was about 32 when I uh, decided that perhaps it's time now to act like an adult. At that time, we stayed in the youth group quite a bit longer than what they do today. And I soon found out that being issue was not really, I, I mean, being single wasn't really the issue to me as much as trying to figure out where I belong in the adult world and in church. Where do I belong? Is anybody going to understand me? Am I going to have anybody to talk to? Am I going to have people that are going to stand with me? I well remember in this auditorium, right where I sat, the first time that I was in an adult summer Bible school class, I felt like an old woman. I felt somewhat displaced. I remember also how it felt not to be a part of a Bible study group. I also know how it felt to be among women constantly talking about their children and their grandchildren. And that's okay, they're allowed to do that. I had nothing to say. It came to the point that, 
and I know this is hard for some of you to believe this, but I came to the point that after church, I would go home right away. I didn't talk to anybody. I just made a beeline out the back door, went home. I did that for quite a while, and I was very unhappy about myself. I knew I didn't want to stay there, but I wasn't sure what to do about it. I knew I had to make some attitude changes. It was within me. And I discovered that attitude will determine the direction I'm going to go in. My attitude is going to have a lot to do with how I handle this. I prayed about this a lot, and it seemed that God had directed me toward the fact that, what am I giving? I'm not giving anything. I go out the back door after church. I go home, and I'm not happy with myself. I'm not giving anything. God seemed to be telling me that church is not what I can get, but it's what I can give. But, you know, there's times in our lives when we think we have to get, don't we? Times when we feel like we're a little empty and we need some refreshment. I prayed about this a lot. And uh, like I said, it seemed that God was trying to tell me that I need to change my attitude. So I came up with the idea, okay, I'm going to put a test to this. I'm going to go to church. And I'm going to pray that morning that God would help me to minister to someone after church. And you know what? He did. I have prayed that prayer for 40 years, and it still works. That prayer and that attitude has changed my world. That's because of all of you. You have helped me to change that. Give me someone that I can minister to today. That prayer still works. I soon realized as a single person that I needed some type of a career, a purpose, something that was fulfilling and meeting the needs of people. I was in a car accident, and I was in the hospital for several days. And it was through that incident that God spoke to me And I kind of liked what I saw in the hospital. And I thought, you know what? I think I could do that. I prayed about that for quite a while. Uh, My family and siblings were very supportive to that. Unfortunately, you know, you have to realize that this was about 50 years ago. And, And things were a lot different in our church at that time. The mentality was somewhat that you go out in the world for a a career and you'll leave the church. And I know some people were concerned about that with me. But thank the Lord that it worked the opposite for me. The longer I worked with non-Christians, the more I realized that I have something that I need to hold on to. Something that's worth living for. And I thank God for that. I was somewhat skeptical about going into nurses' training. 
I had no high school. I had no biology, no chemistry. I basically didn't even know how to take notes. And I entered this classroom of about 80 women. And I want to tell you, the first day, I wasn't sure why I did what I did. Every accomplishment, I realized, starts with the decision to try. I thought, well, I can't do more than try. <clears throat> the Lord, again, provided for me through that experience um, with that many nurses, and that many students. There were several that I gravitated to, that we became good friends to, and they were very intelligent, and they helped me a lot and we would often study together. And I, I still treasure that time. God intervened and he helped me through that. 1976, I graduated from nursing. That was probably the happiest day of my life. I remember only one thing that was said at that commencement ceremony. And this was the best tool you can give to those you serve is yourself. I don't know how I remember that, but I do. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. After graduation, I thought I knew a lot. I had studied hard. I thought I knew a lot, only to realize how little I knew. Only to realize that I did not know what was ahead of me. And there again, it's a way of trusting God knowing that he will walk the path before us and light the way for us. And he truly did that. Now remember, I said at the beginning that God calling me to be single, he never withheld happiness from me, but he always gives it to me in an overflowing measure if I'm willing to accept it. The first 25 years after grad, I worked at Community Hospital of Lancaster on a surgical wing and recovery room and a few other different areas. I had a, a lot of really good nurses and doctors to work with and for. There were very few of them that were Christians. And um, I don't remember of ever really feeling disrespected or alone. I felt very loved and honored by those people. Actually, there's six of us that still get together that we worked together probably 40 years ago. We still get together and have a good time. I remember one time at a meeting, a round table discussion, one of the nurses was talking about some issues and things, and about every other sentence she used the name, the God's name in vain. And I kept thinking, what does a person do when you hear that all the time? And all of a sudden, she looked over at me. She said, oh, Alta's here. I'd better change my language. And I said, thank you. Are you aware that you need to give account to God, not to me, about, uh, with your language? That was the end of that. I also remember one patient saying to me one day, you must be single. You're way too happy to be married. Well, I ate that one up really well. 
you're too happy to be married. <laughs> I had the privilege of going to Dominican Republic under a medical group missions. I also was in the Ukraine, Russia, and Romania under People to People International. Now, you might wonder why I went with these secular groups. The simple reason is just because there was no IGO, there was no I-58, there was no Kingdom Channels. CAM was fairly new in their field of this type of thing, and I wanted to go on medical teams, surgical teams, and see what was going on in the rest of the world. And so I did, and, and it worked very well. For the one team, we filled two large containers, and these are these containers that go by sea. We filled them with medical supplies and equipment, medical equipment, school and health kits, layout bundles, our sewing circles, helped a lot with that. And actually, um, there were students from school helped to assemble a lot of those um, bundles at one time. We waited till these containers got over to the destinations and we, as groups, went over to pass out uh, these items in hospitals, schools, orphanages, and individual homes. In the Ukraine, when I was there, I lived with a female physician. She had no car, and she walked to work. So I walked with her, of course. When I got to her home, this was a doctor's home, there was almost nothing in that house, almost no furniture. She told me that my bedroom will be over here, and I walked in, and it was completely empty. And I was like, oh, this is a bedroom, okay. Well, her husband proceeded to take the hinges out of a door, took the door off, laid the door on the bedroom floor, put a blanket on and said, that's your bed. Well, I was glad to see that at least. I remember the, the gas stations that we would see lined up with many, many cars. And I said to the interpreter, why doesn't it take them longer to fill up with gas? He said, they only get a half gallon because they don't have money for more. So my next question was, why can't they take off after they have gas? Their car sputtered and it jerked and carried on. There was a lot of fumes, exhaust fumes, and this car just couldn't hardly go. And he said the reason for that is the owner adds water to the gas to make it reach farther. So it hardly works. Well, you can imagine all these years, I don't think I ever pull away from filling my tank of gas without saying, Lord, thank you for good gas and money to pay for it. We were a part of a, a large crowd. There was about 200 people had gathered for an event. And I was so excited about this, but I thought it was toward the end of our stay, and I only had this little bag of children's clothing to take along to give to people. And I wanted a big bag, and I didn't have it anymore. 
And I said, well, Lord, I guess I'll take along what I have. In the meantime, I said, and you can multiply this. So I prayed diligently about, God, please multiply the children's clothing that I have in this bag. And I tell you, I had just a little bag. After the event was over, I started handing these things out. And you know how it is. Everybody wants something. I mean, I do too. If somebody's getting something, I want something too. So people would come and want things, and I just kept saying, Lord, please multiply. I kept reaching in this bag, and the clothing just kept coming out. I kept reaching back, and there was more. Reaching in again, and there was more. I can't tell you how that felt. God was so good at that time so that we could bless many people. I was CBS nurse for several years. I also worked in a VS unit in a hospital at Fremont, Ohio. After I quit at the hospital, I worked for Harvest Drive Family Practice for Dr. Dragan, and I know a number of you know him or knew him. I loved my job. I enjoyed learning to know local people, and it was a very, very good experience. Unfortunately, as time went on, he retired, and there was other doctors came in and took over, and this added a completely different atmosphere, a very disruptive type of atmosphere, and a rude attitude. And I wasn't sure how long I could put up with this, but I wanted to retire there. I thought, if I work a number of years yet, I can retire there. Well, it just didn't seem to work. I said, Lord, you brought me to this job, and you're going to have to speak long and loud to me to take me away. And I kept praying and praying that somehow God would intervene with changing the atmosphere or giving me another job. One day, things were not going well. And I felt a hand on my shoulder. It was a kind hand. I looked back. There was no one there. And I just stood there. And a very kind voice said words similar to this. Move on, peace be with you. I knew immediately that it was God's touch. I knew immediately that it was God's voice, and it was my answer. I worked the rest of that shift. I went home, uh, excuse me, I, after I realized what actually happened, I was so startled. I went into the bathroom, and I felt like I cried buckets of tears. I wasn't sure if I was sad or if I was glad. But I felt so blessed by God that he was kind enough to touch me and to tell me what to do. I went home that evening. I wrote out my resignation 
and the next day I handed it in. I was without a job for a little while. I pulled together little jobs and kind of revived myself. <clears throat> I just kept saying, Lord, you were so good to me. You just answered my prayer again. You brought me to that job and you're taking me away again for a reason. And in my mind, I kept thinking, you know what? I always dreamed of being a hospice nurse. Hmm, I think I'm too old for that. Well, through God's leading, somehow, I was approached by a hospice nurse and asked if I would like to work for them. I worked 10 years for hospice and community care in off of Good Drive. Now, it caused quite a change of thinking because in nursing, in school, we were taught to sustain life. We were taught to aid in healing and recovery. Now, this was different. In orientation, we were educated to help families and patients through their journey of preparing to die and their separation to comfort, pain control, signs and symptoms of death, answer questions and give emotional support. The, the group of nurses that I worked with, with hospice, we went out to different individual homes and worked shifts in people's homes. And usually were there till they passed on. Well, I want to share some highlights and some low times, some experiences that I had working in people's homes. I soon found out that I'm not there to change their lifestyle. I'm there to support them. If the house is dirty, leave it dirty. If there's dogs and cats in, leave them there. <laughs> Whatever else, ignore it. You're not there for that purpose. Do what you're supposed to do and go home again. I soon discovered, too, that the choices we make now determine our destiny. Now you think about that. The choices we make now are determining our destiny. Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve. I got into a home one day there was an older lady that was the patient, and her son was sitting at her bedside. I introduced myself, and we talked a little bit. And so I sat down beside them, and we just sat there. Nobody talked, just quietly supporting each other and 
trying to learn to know each other. And she's, the patient soon started to become kind of restless and agitated. And I thought, hmm, this just happened instantly. So I said, Mary, are you having pain? And she said, no. And I said, is there something I can do to make you more comfortable? There was no answer. So I said no more. It wasn't long till she said, she opened her eyes, what do I do when I get to the river? And I looked at the son, and he said, I can't answer that. You have to. So I said, Mary, if and when you get to the river, God will be there to hold your hand, and he will take you across the river into his presence, and you will be with him forever and ever, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And I shared, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. She closed her eyes, was completely still, and it wasn't long till she was in the presence of Jesus. She had made a choice to cause her destiny. One morning, I got into another house. We never rang doorbells. We always just knocked quietly because we didn't know what was going on inside. This haggard-looking lady uh, came to the door, and I introduced myself. She said, you. And I was like, oh, okay. I did something wrong already. She said, you are the person I prayed for last night. And I said, oh. She said, I pray to God that a Christian nurse would come to this door and take care of my husband, and you're the one. <clears throat> I walked in. These were professional people. She was in a school system, and he had a big job. The house was filthy. She took me into the bedroom there was only a path to walk through. Actually, when I got home, I looked at my skirt and I thought, my skirt is all dirty. Where in the world does that come from? And I thought about it, it scraped all the boxes and the stuff that I walked past. It was filthy, just filthy. I got to the patient's bed, he was laying in filth. The sheet was dirty. But you know what? They loved the Lord. And the first thing I wanted to do, of course, was change the sheet and get him looking decent. And all of a sudden I said, no, no. There was a lot of issues in that family. They were waiting for their son to come home from jail to, to talk to their dad yet before he died. There was a lot of other family dynamics that... and. But they loved the Lord. That made all the difference. It wasn't long after the son left that he was gone also.
walked into another room, an older couple, um, one day, and introduced myself, and I talked to both of them. The, the patient was still coherent, and we chatted for a little bit, and the wife had just told me that she hadn't slept much or done anything for a number of days because she was taking care of him. So I suggested to her, since I'm here now, that maybe she would like to go shower and freshen up and change clothes, that I will watch him closely. And I said, if there's any changes, I will be telling you immediately. So she left the room. I stood there and just watched him for a little while. And it wasn't long till I saw this look on the face. Erratic breathing and color change and so on. So I quickly called her. She came running out to the bed, and she was there in time to see him take his last breath. And immediately after that was over, she flung herself over his body and just started yelling, if you would have only given your heart back to the Lord, but it's too late now. Oh, if you would, oh, and she just, oh, she's just, mm. if you would have only given your heart to the Lord. And she kept saying, it's too late now. I can hear it. I can hear that voice saying, it's too late now. Well, I quickly prayed. I said, Lord, I, I have to have wisdom. I don't know how to handle this. I can't give, I can't console her if he wasn't ready to meet the Lord. I don't know what to say or do. So I did the particulars, um, you know, the paperwork, the death certificate, called family and the funeral director and all the things. And it gave me time to think and pray. And his body was gone. She looked at me and she said, could we talk? I said, sure. So we sat on the couch. And she proceeded to tell me how that his lifestyle in the last number of years. And she kept saying, but it's too late now. It's too late. I realized very soon that I cannot focus on what happened. I need to support her. I need to encourage her. That's what I'm there for. He's gone. It's too late for him. So we sat and talked for a while and, and shared a lot of things. I prayed with her and read scripture, and she was a Christian, and I went home. opened the door of another place. The wife came to the door with a cigarette in her mouth and immediately the door opened and there was just fumes of cigarette smoke at me. <clears throat> I walked in and there was some youth standing in the kitchen smoking and drinking and using terrible language. 
The wife took me into the room where her husband was. He was a very emaciated person, looked like he was actively dying. And I looked around the room and all I could see was ashtrays all over the place, filled with ashes, just all over the place. Very soon when I got in the room, she lit up a cigarette, put it in his mouth, and said, come on, honey, take another puff. Take another puff. And she kind of tried to rouse him. Come on, take another puff. I stood there and watched this. What would have you done? What would have you done? It gave me time to think and pray. And I knew that it would not help for me to go and say, now, you need to stop this. You can't do this to your husband. He's dying. That's the last thing I, could have done, I would have done. I just stood there and watched it. I felt, such, I, I felt so surrounded by evil. I can't begin to tell you the evilness that I felt within that building. I felt like I was just squeezed into a devilish environment. In the meantime, the language in the kitchen was awful. And I stood there, and there were butt marks all over the mattress, all over the sheets, all over his blankets, as if, why doesn't this ignite into flames? So I said to myself, I think I can make this a safety issue. So it wasn't long till she left the room and I followed her. And I, I tried to impress upon her the fact that this could be a safety issue. Well, she was angry. She started cursing and swearing at me. Anyhow, I walked out of the room and left her do what she wanted to do. And it wasn't long till he took his last breath and his last puff. I went home with a headache that night. The choices we make determine our destiny. This Roman soldier was walking the streets of London one day, and he saw this little orphan boy with his face squeezed against a donut shop. This little fellow was hungry. He smelled the aroma of the donuts, and he was so intently watching these ladies in there making these donuts. And this soldier saw this. So he went in the building, bought a few donuts, put them in a bag, and brought them out for the, for the little fellow and walked on down the street. It wasn't long till the soldier felt a tug in the back of his coat. He looked back, and here was this little fellow looking up at him. Guess what he said? Mister, are you God? We are never more like God than when we give. For God so loved the world, he gave. And that's today 
why we can have salvation, redemption, forgiveness of sin, and life eternal. Thank the Lord for that. Choose to serve him. Give those bags of donuts to everyone you meet. Let them see God's love within you. You have a choice to make. Thank you. That's it.